0: welcome to episode 196 of Two Legs, a Paul McCartney podcast. As you know, we are a Paul McCartney talk show, mainly dealing with the solo career of Paul McCartney. And as you can see, I'm a little solo here. I'm Tom Hunyadi. You may know me from my other, uh, my other show, Talk More Talk. And uh, my co-host here is a little under the weather. Don't bother him. Because uh, by the time this is posted, he'll be fine. <laughs> but uh, but I'm I'm going solo. But I'm not alone, and uh, I'm I'm very happy to say I have a wonderful person joining me today who just wrote an incredible book, and it's called In Your Mind: The Infinite Universe of Yoko Ono, and she is Madeline Bacaro. Madeline. Thank you for for joining me for this. You know, I know we had a little chat earlier, and then we we talked with uh, with Joe, and it's it's just really a pleasure to get to know you, and and, and thank you for joining us.
1: Same here. Thank you.
0: You got it. So you know this book has just been killing it. I mean, review after review after review. I mean, if only Yoko could have got these reviews that you're getting <laughs> yeah. for this book, you know. Yeah. And uh, and you know, tell us about you know some of these reviews because you just had some great news. Um, as we're recording this, it's it's the it's February second, but a couple of days ago, you just got some incredible news from 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 the Rock and Roll Hall, right? Right,
1: right. So yeah, it's gotten accepted into the rock and roll hall of fame library and archives right so that's awesome because she was there at the ribbon cutting ceremony with little richard it's so like yeah right it. <laughs> and it's also on several best books lists and gift guides now and right. olivia harrison recommended wow. it on instagram and she photographed it inside of friar park unbelievable let's so take like a thrill
0: <laughs> I, absolutely you have every right to smile and be proud of this because
1: again, i'm happy for yoko you know it's a yes. story and true that's true. what's shining through i believe right. you know mm-hmm. and, and that, the, that... the reviews are great the last one was uh this is the bible of yoko right it was i like that one fantastic <laughs> one guy told me you hit the imaginary nail on the imaginary head <laughs> i really like that <laughs>
0: And and Sean has endorsed this book as well, right? Sean has
1: been very supportive. He's been retweeting all my posts. I yeah. saw him a couple of months ago and he wow. thanked me profusely. He said it's beautiful. We love it. He said, Thank you for caring enough to be so meticulous. Because he loves all the detail. And, right.
0: Because yeah. we probably weren't gonna get a bio from Yoko. I mean, especially right now at this stage in, in her life, right?
1: Right. She's not gonna do it and she's she's not gonna be. Uh, and she's very modest, so she wasn't gonna boast about it like I do.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so let's talk about the title in your mind. Um, you know, what does that represent to you? What does how does that you know represent Yoko to to the people who are curious or are fans and want to read this book?
1: Well, what's interesting is you know most of her work is unfinished, mm-hmm. and a lot of it is conceptual, and right. she's all about the mind. You know that that everything. Um, should be interpreted in your own way and and the art should be given to you for your own use right Um, but the reason i i chose those three words is i have this um signed indica gallery um program okay 1966 and um you know she signed it and and i have it and years it took me like a year and I was going through the pages because the pages are familiar. There some of them are from grapefruit, you know, and I'd read that stuff. So I didn't really flip through. And one day one of the pages opened and the sentence was, you know, um if you burn a chair, the chair in your mind doesn't doesn't disappear.
2: Hmm.
1: But and the words, the three words of the text in your mind were left out. And okay. she wrote them in by hand and they just oh, jumped wow. out at me. In Your Mind, I think that's the title.
0: Perfect. That's excellent. So, you know, if, if somebody got this book that, say, is is a relative newcomer to, to Yoko Ono or is, a, or is has known about her for, for decades and really doesn't know much about her, what do you want people to learn when they read this book?
1: I would love for them to learn more about her as a person. That's why I included a lot of her own voice in it uh, mm-hmm. every page has quotes from her uh, and john and sean and, uh, and some other people i didn't interview anyone they're all quotes of the time you okay. know as the things happened and i just wanted to bring forth her spirit because it's so wonderful and everything that's written about her mostly you know right. there's just a lot of lies and in the opposite is true she's just amazing once you meet her you know why john loved her there's no question
0: mm. Absolutely. And then, you know, the relationship between the two, I mean, the bond from them, you know, so many people, you know, give her hell or whatever, but they just don't realize that, you know, they both fell in love with each other. Right. I mean, right.
1: It was a very, very deep love and, and it was very nourishing. They really cared for each other and, and supported each other in every way. And there was a lot of jealousy, I think from, fans and whatever oh, yeah. on his side and her side and whatever it was what it was and essentially it ended up tearing them apart you know mm-hmm. just all the the hate that was thrown at her and yeah which is unfortunate
0: yeah you know I, I we we did uh joe mayo's uh show and um we talked about our favorite you know our 10 favorite songs from hers and then i just mentioned briefly of um of a track called i learned how to stutter which basically tells you what all of your people's hate you know did to her right <laughs> you know
1: which is, to explain which, it is she yeah. she thought of herself a very confident right um elegant woman mm-hmm. um she was you know speaking out for women's rights doing her art doing, yeah. and from all this negativity she developed a stutter right and you know she's like look what they did to me at this point and she had to overcome that
0: right hmm What do you, how do you see her as a, because I mean, everybody knows her as a screamer. I mean, I don't know. What's the proper way to say her that is just screaming, yelling, wailing. I mean, what, 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 how would she describe that?
1: Well, it's a scream. Um, I once asked her, what could you say with a scream that you can't say with words? And she said it it expresses a much deeper emotion that Mm -hmm. there's words, words can't describe. And uh, it just comes from. An incident in her childhood where she heard that, you know, uh, a description of a woman screaming in childbirth. And in Japan, it was very unheard of for a woman to even speak loudly, let alone scream. Mm. And, you know, the whole society was very repressed and all. And once she heard that, you know, she it just clicked with her. It just became kind of a little obsessive thing. But it was an outlet for her. Right. And she imagine the amount of pain she had in, in so many aspects of her life that she was trying to express.
0: Right. Because, I mean, that was kind of our introduction to Yoko's vocal stylings, right? Besides the continuing story of Bungalow Bill. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's... it's uh, um, that, you know, is what people... We're introduced to right, so they don't. So they just think, okay, that's all she ever did, right? I mean, let's let's talk about her her songwriting and, and and her as a lyricist because as I've been learning too, you know, I'm discovering that she's an amazing lyricist.
1: Oh, she's incredible. I mean, it's all honest, it's all truth, it's all right. from her life, and uh, it had to be incredible, right? I mean, right. she she was talking about um, of how John influenced her musically and all. And she's, this is a direct quote. Obviously, I learned about rock and pop from John. He, had, he also had very astute observations about people on a very realistic level that I didn't have. Surrealism was natural for me. It's easier for me to describe my emotions in a surrealistic way. But here was this guy who was straightforward. If I was beating around the bush, he would say, what do you really mean? you know, how can you read a surrealistic poem and not know what they're talking about? It's just word weaving or mind weaving. You think it seems beautiful, but what's the point? I would have headed toward that maybe. I might've been a nice old middle-aged spinster. Instead, John gave me back the body. He woke me up from my mind game. That was very healthy for me.
0: Right, but then also in a kind of a way, we talked a little bit about this separately is, you know, we, we know, and we'll get into this more when we talk about the relationship between, from Yoko and Paul, but but she had this career before John as right. well. I mean, she was a very successful uh, avant-garde artist.
1: She was. Right? Yeah, know? she had, to, actually, there was 33 years before she met him. She was 33, mm-hmm. and there was 12 years with him, with the separation in between, and then there were 40 years after his death. And, and think about it. Paul had kind of been with John around the same length of time
2: right?
1: as as they were together. Right. So, you know, think about how fast the past 10 or 12 years of your life went by. And that's it. That's what they had. right. So that's really incredible if you think about it.
0: Right. I mean, I, I'd, I'd say that, you know, for somebody who hasn't listened to any of her Music. I always kind of say, listen to like "Helen Paradise" or "Walking on Thin Ice" first, because that I mean that's. Let's face it. I mean, that's it's poppy, it's catchy. You know, people may have know help may have known Helen in Paradise from MTV because I mean mm-hmm. I saw that a lot on MTV yeah. uh, back in '85. It, you know, and obviously "Walking in Thin Ice" because that I mean that's important just for the fact that I mean it was the last thing John uh, worked on
1: before. Right. On death, but people aren't aware that she has um, complete albums of right. lockers and ballads, and she's singing yep. beautifully, and they just don't know.
0: Right. So let's uh, talk about some of your favorite tracks of hers. Uh, give me uh, five songs um, that you think people should, should know and appreciate.
1: Okay, so... Um, in my book, I go through every album and every right. song, mm-hmm. and I don't throw them in the back as a discography. I just put place them where they belong in her story. Right. And there's actually a chapter called Queen of the Scream, Queen of the Scream, and it's about all her musical influences and how she arrives at the point of screaming and, right. and all that. But um, I'm going to pick different ones than we picked the other night. So, um, right. Right. A beautiful ballad is uh, I'm Going Away Smiling. It's on Between My Head and the Sky from 2009. Okay. And it's just beautiful. Um, It's sweet and ethereal. There's a theremin on there on the track. Uh, It it pulls your heartstrings. Hmm. And actually Iggy Pop covered it on one of his albums, I Pray, in 2012. Cool. And it's just amazing.
0: I'm sure you like that that, being an Iggy Pop fan yourself. Oh, yeah. Iggy and
1: Yoko are my favorite. (laughs) And um, since we mentioned Vine Train last time, um, Waiting for the D-Train is another favorite train Mm -hmm. song, and it's very reminiscent of, you know, Why or Don't Worry, Kyoko, it's in that plotting rock vein, it's wild. Um, And she released that at the age of 76. Wow. And, um, you know, D-Train stands for death, so... Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's just another rocker. It's really cool. And then I picked Don't Count the Waves, Mm. which is from Fly, one of the avant-garde kind of stylings with Joe Jones' Tone Deaf Music Company. He created all those instruments for her, and some of them played by the wind or just very strange percussive sounds. And I just think they're gorgeous.
2: Okay.
1: yeah, and um, what else? She explained that the songs on flyer, the first and second sides are rock songs with a physical beat, and the third and fourth sides Mm. are mind music with a mind beat. Mm. So that's how she viewed it. She wanted to explore emotions and vibrations, which hadn't been explored in music before.
0: Oh, okay.
1: And um, I picked I Have a Woman Inside My Soul from our favorite, Approximately Infinite Universe. (laughs) And that's just bluesy and sax laden with, of course, Elephant's Memory okay. and Dan Bronstein on sax um, it's lamenting and sad. And uh, it's just strange to me because it, the lyrics are, show some a, a kind of a disconnect. And she's usually very uh, connected and understanding of her own thoughts. But in this one, she's not understanding what the sad voice in her soul is telling her mm. or why, you know, what the inscription on a tombstone says she can't see what it says, and uh, everything's kind of unclear in that, but it's such a beautiful song. Mm
2: -hmm.
1: And then I'm gonna pick a (laughs) cool one, New York Noodle Town, I love. It's from 2013 from the album, Take Me to the Land of Hell. And the title track of that is kind of reminiscent of Mrs. Lennon. And she's asking, you know, blood river, blood river, take me to the lands of hell where you and I meet soul to soul and never apart again. Mm. And it's kind of strange because the blood is mentioned in both songs and she's asking to be taken back to the place where she and John were, which was actually hell, but she's rather be in hell with him than anywhere else without him. So I just find like this, that's all, those two songs are kind of related. But New York Noodletown is just a light, light hearted song. And it's like an anthem to New York City. And she's just, you know, it's kind of like Winter Friend on a story where she's mm-hmm. trudging through Chinatown through the snow for <laughs> noodles and to noodle. And this one <laughs> I picture her with the same guy, you know, like walking to New York Noodletown, which is a real restaurant in the city. Wow. And yeah, it's just really cool
0: you know uh we we also talked a little bit about mrs lennon uh the other night too and uh, you know is that is that kind of like her you know feeling like she's losing her I- identity because you mentioned about you know the gardener coming up to her and calling her mrs lennon mm-hmm. and then and it, it, it hit her that you know she's not her she's not her, you know the lone she's wolf not again Yogo, yeah, oh, oh, yeah you know. right mhm what do you think
1: uh, I think that's true, yeah, that she was being sublimated a bit, and she kind of expected that to happen, but mm-hmm. she and John really were equal partners, although the world didn't really see it that way, but in their minds, they knew it, you know, they they had that pact. she said, look, it's either equal or nothing, and, right. you know, he went with it, so.
0: Um. You also, I mean, you've met Yoko. You, you talk about, you know, meeting her back in the 80s and then, you know, being able to, you know, experience things with her, too, whether it's their live shows or or premieres at, at the movie screenings, which I want to get to that one in a minute. <laughs> but uh, talk about the experience of seeing Yoko live.
1: Oh, it's great. Well, anyone who bought a ticket is there because they love her. So it's mm-hmm. fantastic. It's you know she she's really commands an audience um whether she's whispering or screaming or and she's always very personable telling stories in between telling she one time she did mind chain and she said Oh, well, when this, we recorded this, me and John played it for a well-known musician and he sat through all the 17 minutes of it, which I was getting nervous, but John was just (laughs) so proud of it. And he, you know, he was, and I was like, oh, is this guy really going to listen? And it turned out it was Bob Dylan. (laughs) I have so much more respect for him now. He listened to that for 17 minutes.
0: Wow. Yeah. Crazy. Uh, Another really cool thing that we talked about, you know, when we first met was um, and I love this, the, the Rolling Stones uh, Rock and Roll Circus, a lot of people know that this was put on the shelf for, for years, I mean decades mm-hmm. uh, even and yeah. this would have, this was uh, filmed in December of 68 uh, a couple days before the Let It Be uh, or the Get Back sessions started right, as right. a matter of fact and, and John and Yoko uh, were there they performed and you actually got to see a screening uh, of this before. Now was this before that it was released on home video?
1: It was when it was released. It was a promotional okay. uh screening mm-hmm. and uh we were in the theater and I was sitting near John and, near Johnny Yoko <laughs> and Sean. And uh it was funny because Keith Richards came in late and he, he came like reaching over me to 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 hug, take Yoko's hand, and he, he goes, He's like really drunk. He's, Those are the days. Huh? <laughs> <laughs>
0: That's cool. Just to be, I guess, to be in the same you know building as as Keith. Yeah, and, it
1: was fun. You
0: know, Must have been pretty cool. Um, okay, let's. Uh, so again, in your mind, uh, the infinite uh, the infinite universe of Yoko Ono. Tell people, and we'll do again uh, at later on in the show. But but how do people get this book?
1: Um, it's on Amazon. And that's probably your best bet um, internationally for postage Mm -hmm. reasons. Um, And it's also available through me um, at conceptualbooks.com. And the hardcover is only available through me. And it's also an option of getting it signed.
0: Absolutely. I was fortunate to, to get this baby signed.
1: From
0: right. Madeline and uh, yeah. <laughs> and you're gonna be uh, you're gonna be at the the fest for Beetle fans this year too, yes, right? So at yeah. least the, the New second, Jersey one.
1: My second year at the Jersey yeah. one. Yes, I was pretty nice last time. I sold a lot of books and people were very warm and welcoming. Right. It's
0: beautiful. And you did a couple panels uh, last year, and I expect maybe you'll do another one or a yeah. couple more.
1: I hope so. Yeah. yeah.
0: Excellent. Well, I look forward to, to seeing you uh, there again. I know I did see you there last year, but we didn't really meet, uh, mm-hmm. you know, face to face. I'm kicking myself in the ass now for that, but. <laughs> That's
1: okay. I was changing yeah. my table. I couldn't really right. circulate.
0: But, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, but looking forward to seeing you there this year. Now, um, you know, one of the reasons why, you know, besides the book, I, I, I thought it'd be really cool uh, to discuss a relationship between uh, Paul and Yoko, which, again, we all know has been going back decades, even even longer than uh, how long John and Yoko knew each other for the most part, right? I mean,
1: because right.
0: Paul and Yoko first met back in, in fall of 66. And tell us a little bit um, why she uh, seeked uh, McCartney out.
1: Um, so it was John Cage's birthday. And he's, for people that don't know, he's kind of an avant-garde composer who she had a uh, working relationship with, uh, along with her second, her first husband, Toshi Ichinagi, he was a composer. And they did a lot of work together in Japan and New York. And um, she was collecting manuscripts for a book that was g- gonna be uh, called Notations. Mm-hmm. And it was gonna be put together for John Cage for his birthday. And she was going to different composers. Now in her mind, you have to realize, um, she <laughs> she didn't see music as rock and roll, right? Okay. She, she saw it as more, um, like, how can I put it? <laughs> <laughs> Beatles weren't in her cultural realm. Right. She? There was no rock and roll when she was a teenager. It was not, ni- she was born in 1933. Okay. So right. she uh, was doing cutting edge things while the Beatles still had Pete Best on drums. You know, she was doing uh, concert series in her loft in Manhattan, um, getting together all kinds of avant-garde artists and allowing them to, to do their work. And... Um, A funny story is it's in Peter Brown's book, which is not, I'm not a fan necessarily of the book, but it's a really great indication. And the Beatles were sitting around speaking about when they were at Shea Stadium. And Yoko says, well, what were you doing at a baseball stadium? And they said, well, we did sold out concerts there. And she said, oh, well, I did this in, at Carnegie Hall and I did th- that year. And, you right. know, she was just talking in her own world. So, you know, when, when people say, go, she heard of the Beatles. She knew, you know, there's not, th- both her and John were always very honest. And there's not one time where I've heard her waver from that, you mm-hmm. know? So she approaches Paul and she thinks she's going to get like a, uh, a musical notation like a manuscript and right. really all they they didn't even write notation the Beatles right it's just right crazy. so <laughs> he did of course have lyrics and all but he didn't want to part with them so he said well go go look for John Lennon and um, I don't think she really had the chance to really look for John and locate him because very shortly after her encounter with Paul she uh, met John by chance at her Inzega gallery opening, mm-hmm. and that—that uh, that was the
2: start yeah. of it all. Yoko turned up to see me first in London. She met me before she met oh, John. Yes? No, I didn't know, yeah. See, this is what I mean. You know, they, and you won't hear no, it off sorry. them either because they're, they're Scott and Zelda. You know, they want the—they want the story just how they put it out. She turned up. Um, for a charity thing. It was something to do with, she wanted manuscripts. Something to do with avant-garde music. Cage, uh, John, John Cage in New York, there was some benefit for somebody. And she was looking for manuscripts. Uh, any, any spare lyric sheets you had around. And I was pretending to be on the backs of envelopes and quite funky little things. And to tell you the truth, I didn't want to give her any. Big deal. So, you know, I'm allowed. I don't have to do it. It just, I didn't want to. I kept these, manuscripts; they are very precious to me. And the cause didn't seem so great. I forget what it was. So I said, but does it my mate might be interested? John, you know, I gave her John's address. And I think that was first how they hooked up. Um, and then she had her exhibition and stuff. And then their, their side of the story starts to happen then.
0: And the rest is history, as they say, for Yoko and John. Um, so... Going, moving forward, now, you, you say you talk about these Yoko diaries from 1968, and then we also know from Paul in 69 that they both actually didn't, you didn't really realize that they were actually talking very fondly about each other,
1: right? You well, know, you hear Yoko saying, um, you know, Paul's being really nice to me. He's kind of like very on the level and straight and with me, and he's treating me kind of like a brotherly, you know, in a w- brotherly way. And like if they need a light fixed or they need something, he asked me if I know anyone in the industry who could help. He kind of respected her in that way. And, um, you know, he's treating her with with respect. And she's saying, I hope it stays this way. You know, if I had a woman, it would have been if I hadn't been a woman, it would have been different because she would have been more of a threat if she was a guy that John was kind of palling around with. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know, at the beginning it was fine mm-hmm. cool. until John brought her into the studio. I Let's guess. Just... <laughs> her on well, yeah, because
0: the, 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 I mean, we get comments from from you know the, the the other three, you know, about Yoko being in the studio, right, and how they that was never allowed before. Um, you know, why is girlfriends or or friends or whatever? I mean, no, no, you know.
1: Well, that no was other. just John. He wanted it be in your face, you know. He's mm-hmm. like, "Look, I- I'm with her now. You're going to look at her too." And she right. wasn't necessarily fond of it. You know, she you can see she's bored. She's kind of knitting and writing and doing, right. because she's probably plotting her next art exhibition. She's mm-hmm. not thinking. So, and then when he told her he was going to be leaving the band, um she there's well, a quote from her from the time. Go ahead. Right. Well let's
0: get to that in, in, in one second because I got that separate and a little from this. But um you know, besides you know talking nice to each other because there's also that the part in the uh, the get back um special that we got on Disney Plus um you know a little while ago, I think it was back in twenty-one, um, where where Paul is, is actually you know, the one speaking very fondly of, of Yoko and saying that she's all right, you know, and that, that they're going to be together. That's, they're going to be together and there's no point in, in, in fighting it. I have a feeling that half the stuff Yoko said yesterday isn't, I mean, she was
2: talking for John. And I don't think he really believed any of that, you know. No, it's, it's just John didn't talk. Yoko talked for John. Did George stay? In the middle of all of that, actually, George went, so well, I'll see you. See, but their point is that they're they trying to, like, be as near together as they can. They want to stay together, those 2 So it's all right, let the young lovers stay together. But it's not that bad, you know. We got a lot out of Beatles, so that it... I think John's saying no. obviously, it came to a push between Yoko and the Beatles. It's Yoko, you yeah.
0: Nice to meet
1: you. But um, mm. you
2: me a, me <laughs> But funny enough, the other day when we were talking, Jonathan said that he really did not want not to be a beat. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> were you riding together much more before she came around? Oh yeah. Or sure. you yeah. we'd called it because we were not playing together. Because, because I mean we lived together when we played together. We were in the same hotel up at the same time every morning, all day. Mm. As long as you're this close all day, mm. so something grows. And then when you're not this close all day, just physically, something goes. Right. And actually, musically, you know, we we can play better than we've ever been able to play, you know. We're, we're, we're all right on that. It's just that being together thing, you know. But it's difficult starting right from scratch with up there, because... I start on writing songs about white walls. Just because I you know, just because I think she John and the Oakland would like that, you know. And they wouldn't. You know. She's great. She really is all right. They just want to be near each other, so you know. So i just think it's just silly of me or anyone to try and mm-hmm. say to them, no, you can't. Yeah. It's like it's like that, we're like, we're striking, because work conditions aren't right, you know, but it shouldn't be can't operate under these conditions, boy. You know, we're coming out. It's like they're going overboard about it. But John always does, you know. You can't go saying, be sensible about it and don't bring it to meetings. You know, it's his decision. It's right. you know, none of our business to interfere in that. And, and you had made the
0: conversation, we were talking about this, is like if John knew this, right? I mean, this might be, might be a whole completely different deal.
1: Oh, yeah. And if they heard George saying he had all these songs for an album and he was right. going to do a let's all we'll do side projects and get back together for Beatles stuff. Yeah, I mean, if only these conversations were overheard.
0: Right. Mm-hmm. So, um, still in 68, um, you know, we talked about, you know, Hey Jude, okay, and 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 John thinking that's about him, right, meeting Yoko. I mean, we know that um, it was Started as a song for his for his son Julian, uh, right, and then it just worked into you know another completely another song, you know, about a you know a guy seeking a woman, and and John sometimes he mis misreads into into songs <laughs> as we know, and from the whole Ram uh, fiasco uh, a few years later, um, but uh, you know what are your thoughts on that because you you seem to think that subconsciously maybe it is about uh, John and Yoko.
1: Well, there are some lines in there that are obviously not about a little boy. Okay, mm. you know, I, you have found her. Now go and get her. Right, You're waiting for someone to perform with. Right, and perform how to be Yoko, and and right. then there's the line. So let it out and let it in, and that's probably uh, something to do with the first uh, thing that Yoko ever gave to John, and it was a card that said breathe.
0: Mm. Interesting. Yeah, because, you know, the the um, the lyrics book that, that came out from Paul last year, you know, I was looking up the Hey, Jude section and see if there's any thought. Maybe he changed his mind and say, oh, yeah, I did write this for Jen, or whatever. <laughs> but yeah, but he he doesn't talk anything uh, about that. And I'm kind of surprised because, yeah, like you said, there are some connections there, whether they're coincidental or not, maybe. But yeah, I mean, I could see there, there being an argument. Um, for that, oh, John,
1: John was pretty adamant that, you know, right. It was mostly about that. Right. Relationship. <laughs> right. Um,
0: and then another thing too, is I, I know it's kind of, it's kind of rough to talk about, but the, um, and especially if you, if you don't believe, you know, Paul's, you know, uh, you know, girl at that time, Francine Schwartz. Um, and she, write, in her book, she writes about how um, John and Yoko were over and uh, the, John was going through his uh, fan mail, right? And then he says this letter saying, you know, uh, you and your Tart think you're hot shit or something like that. Uh, I have not seen anything of John and Yoko ever saying anything about that.
1: Have, have you seen anything on that? It. I remember those words, seeing them written in a, in a newspaper, whether there was John mentioning it or something. Okay. But I, you know, they were at each other's throats because of legal problems. legal problems, right? Mm-hmm. And that that's really most of the the reason they were at odds, mm-hmm. and they were just going to blur out anything they could to hurt each other, you know? So. Right.
0: Yeah, I mean, because there was no, I mean, even though, you know, Paul regrets now that he never said he loved him. I mean, there was, there, you couldn't do that, <laughs> you yeah. know, as a, as a male, you know, in 1960s London. There was no, you know, sensitivity, you know, towards each other, you know, yeah. which I find kind of kind of funny. But um, so then, you know, after that, then, as we say, we'll get back now to, you know, Paul, we know he did not want the Beatles to end right? Yeah. He, he would have been happy being a Beatle the rest of his life. And then there's someone else that didn't want the Beatles then and that was in a way was kind of Yoko, right?
1: Oh, well, yeah, she wasn't really consciously thinking that, but when John turned to her and said uh, he's going to leave the band, she she shuddered because she thought, well, wait a minute, what's he going to be preoccupied with while I do my own work? Mm-hmm. So, you know, she was just wondering, like, what what's it going to be? And he actually said to her, so now it's just you and me. And she's like, what? She never <laughs> collaborated with anyone before. She did everything independently. Mm-hmm. But guess what? They hit the ground running. Why? And they, two and they virgins, did two versions, the settings, exactly. the, yeah. and they just did it. And they had fun with it, too. And it just seems like it just came
0: naturally. Yeah. You know, it, it seemed like there was no effort at all. And it just, you know, let's do this. Okay, mm. no problem. Let's mm. you know take a nude selfie. Okay, no problem. Let's
1: <laughs> you know let's yeah, uh, take it with know, a timer. Clear the room. Yeah, wall.
0: right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like you said, the bed in. You know, no problem. It, it, it's 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 really is it's you know amazing how effortless a lot of this this was. I mean, I remember the the you know the bed in, and then they're calling the the uh, um you're calling with California when they were trying to protest out there right and they're telling the kids you know what to do yeah. uh, you know which is you
1: know again but how much they crammed in i mean just 68 right. you know and yeah. 69 to virgins the the bed in the war is over posters the acorn right. event the bagism the it's too much the films they were doing together yes too. right films wow um so Let's talk, Paul quote in the Two Virgins Yeah, yeah go ahead section. So, you know, he <laughs> Paul always prided himself as being the avant-garde one because he was right. into the art and he was, had an art collection mm-hmm. and he was into the galleries and all and he, he was listening to Stockhausen and Varese and Ornette Coleman and yeah, he's cool, right? But yep. John was secluded in the suburbs and he couldn't, you know, go to these right. shows and he didn't yep. have access, but Here comes Yoko and they're doing two virgins. So, you know, John beat him to the punch. But the funny thing Paul says is, you know, I got pissed off that John became the avant-garde one because three years before he got loose, I was going to a lot of concerts and he was living out in Weybridge, Mm. and slippers time. And (laughs) I didn't want to say I did it first, but it was niggling me a bit that it was going down in posterity that John was the cool one and Paul was a bit suppy. Mm-hmm. He said, so Paul says he did a loop symphony And he was gonna, going to all these uh, Concerts, experimental and modern Composers, and the loops would find Their way onto uh, Different Beatles tracks and mm-hmm. all But He said to John one day You know, I've got all this stuff and I'm thinking of putting It out as an album called Paul McCartney Goes Too Far, and John says Yeah, brilliant, do it, please <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately He never Yeah. <laughs> Unfortunately, he never
0: did. I mean, uh, you know, and then when he does, sometimes when he does get experimental, right, he calls it, you know, he doesn't put M- McCartney on it. You know what I mean? he, mm-hmm. he would put like the fireman or or mm-hmm. twin freaks. You know what I mean? It, it's just yeah. not, it's not Paul McCartney, which, you know, I wish that would be different. But um, so a few years later, then as we jump into the 70s, um, you know, John and Yoko are everywhere. They're in New York. Come 71. Uh, right there, um, or is this late 71 that they go to uh, New York?
1: Yeah, summer, pretty much, yeah.
0: Right, okay. Um, you know, there's the there's the Ram thing, uh, there's the, uh, you know, how do you sleep thing, you know, John and Yoko are doing a lot of TV uh, at that time, you know, I was just mm-hmm. watching some of the Mike Douglas stuff uh, the other day, and I was watching the episode with George Carlin on it, and it was, uh, you know, I hadn't seen those in a while, so it's, it's kind of fun to go back and and do that and then so what they were doing then was on that show was there was that broken teacup right and then every day they were assembling it amending assemb- it. Yeah, it right which was you know again i mean that's the mind of yoko i
1: think yeah men piece wrapping piece is all about healing and mm-hmm. coming back together i mean right. yeah that's how she communicated <laughs> <laughs> Um, so the, the real, let's get to the
0: real meat and potatoes of this, because there's the, you know, as we know, it's the lost weekend, John's, John's, uh, John and Yoko separate for a little, for a little while. And, and, uh, we don't really necessarily know exactly when this happened, right? Because they separated. Um, I think, uh, Paul goes to California to start talking about anyways, Yoko goes to see, uh, Paul. This is in this is in in, uh, UK then. uh, Right.
1: I believe. Um, No, Paul actually says that they visited her at the Dakota
0: when she asked him to help.
1: He actually says that he asked her because I don't think she would have really approached him about it, you know.
0: Yeah, that's interesting because I think it was the, he says during the Chris Salovic interview that that she came, she came to him, um, and we're gonna play that clip too. Um,
2: okay. I was telling you about the marriage thing when they when they broke up. Um, she came, we all came through London, visited us, which was very nice. And Linda and I was, just got married was a bit before. We're living in this big sort of old house in St John's Wood. And uh, yoga came by and we started talking, obviously the important subject for us is what's happened? You've broken up then, you know, you're here, he's there. What's, what's happened? And she was very nice and confided in us that, yeah, you know, it's kind of broken up. But she was being very strong about it, but very, not feminist, but being a strong woman rather than just submitting to it all. And she said, no, he's got to work his way back. If he's to get back with me, I can't just go. And she couldn't. She's which is good, you know, I mean, I, I think she'd be mad to just go and prostrate herself at his feet, kind of thing, but um, she said, no, he's going to have to work it. And I said, well, look, I mean, if I see him, what, well, are you still in love? Do you still still sort of love me? She said, yeah. I said, well, would you be, would you think it was an intrusion if I kind of said to him, look, man, she loves you and there's a way to get back and you can, it sounds like Beatles songs. It sounds like those. I send all my loving from me to you. Um, and I said this uh, to yoga I said would that be okay would you hate that uh, but you know we might see him around so I, I would like to be a mediator in this because I think you the two of you obviously got something pretty strong going <coughs> and she said she didn't mind so that was that visitor and we went out to visit them and doing pussy, and they were doing pussycats and uh, it was weird kind of just meeting and everything but then I, I I just said to john who's was in the house with uh... and Jesse uh, and moaning, a few other guys and they were all it was a pretty crazed house there, you know, you hear some of the stories coming out of that house and, um, it was pretty wild days, and I said to him here come on, come in come in the back room, I want to talk to you private so we went in the back room and I sat him down privately and I said look I feel a bit like a matchmaker here but this girl, she really still loves you do you love her? Uh, in a divorce court, you know, divorce 2nd but I don't know what to do, I said, well, I'll talk to her, she so, so, so. she does still love you, but you're going to have to work your little ass off, man. You have to get back to New York, you have to take a separate flat, you have to send her roses every fucking day, you have to work at it like a bitch, and you just might get her back, and, which is sort of what he did. But you'll never hear that story. You won't hear that off them, because... Oh, I mean it gives me too much I'm too in the story then they don't want me in the story I prefer to think John and if you hear from John's point of view it will just be that he spoke to you up on the phone and she said to him come back into
0: the world once uh, they got back together at the Ellen John show then, then that was it you know they were they were back together when that's not really the case uh, you know there was still a couple months you know, before they actually John actually had to, you know, ask her out on dates and and, and stuff like that. And so and then they got back together. But but either way, whether it's whether it's Paul, you know, going to her and talking about it or Yoko going to Paul and talking about it, either way, it's never part of the it's never part of that story. You know what I mean? Yeah, and it's like why can't you know the best mate, you know, be part of that story? Because you know, he helped you know, get them back together in a way.
1: Yeah. um, I don't know. Well, Yoko spoke about it later on. And on John's 70th birthday, she made a a statement. She's like, I want the world to know that it is a very touching thing what Paul did for John. He was generally concerned about his old partner, even though John was not even asking for help. um, All of them were too proud to ask her anything. And John often said he didn't understand why Paul did this for us, but he did.
0: So. well, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I just don't understand why John would say I don't understand why, <laughs> you know what I mean? I mean, there's, they might not have been best friends at that point in time, but they were, you know what I mean? It's, and it's that still was complicated. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I get you. I get you. And it's, it's still family. You know, I would sure if, you know, if they, even if they weren't, if they didn't talk at all for, for years, I'm, I'm sure, you know, one or the other would still try to help the other out you know, as, mu- as much as possible, you know, mm-hmm. if they could, you know, so uh, it, it's just interesting. I mean, I'm not saying that, you know, Paul has to, you know, you know, be a part of everything or or what he did was, you know, him being right about Alan Klein, you know, I mean, I'm not saying yet Paul needs that doesn't need to brag about all this stuff, you know, but it, I think it's still important that people know this, you know, I mean, whether or not, whether or not that it whether or not, um you know, it's it's in the story, you know, in a written story. It, it's a great story nonetheless, the John and Yoko story is is a wonderful one. It's
1: incredible. Um, yeah. Well, there's a piece where um, Yoko spoke in Rolling Stone. Um, well, actually there's quotes from Linda also. Mm-hmm. And um, she says, the sad thing is that John and Paul both had problems and they loved each other. And boy, could they right. have helped each other if they had right. only communicated right it, yeah it was about the litigation and and all that so
0: yeah no i hear you absolutely politics and, takes... and then what's the song from uh, from yoko um uh, that's about the communication um i'm missing i can't straight remember. Talk? straight talk yeah <laughs> you know tell me what you want <laughs> <Yeah>. you <know? laughs> Which is, you know, I wouldn't be surprised if that was about John. You know, tell me, you know, be straight and, uh, you know, we'll work it out.
1: There's a nice piece in Rolling Stone um, that Yoko wrote um, right after Linda's passing. Mm. And she said, during the Beatles sessions, Linda and I quickly learned that our husbands were not all buddy-buddy. John and Paul were both talented but Very strong willed people. There was some tension there. Linda and I left them alone. We both stood by our men. Then came the Beatles breakup. The world blames it on Linda and me. The attack was a storm. The fans needed a scapegoat and they chose us. We both had the love and protection of our husbands. The years after the breakup were not easy either. John and Paul were not talking. John would play Paul's latest Wings record in our kitchen. He couldn't say it to Paul, but when Paul was not around, John would say nice things about Paul. When Paul and Linda got a farm in Scotland, John would say, that's Linda, she's good for him. Was the ice finally starting to melt? In the later 70s, Paul and Linda came to visit us a few times in New York. In fine old Liverpool tradition, the two guys did most of the talking, and we sat beside them as Paul and Linda held Paul held Linda's hand and John held mine. It was nice to see the guys talk after all those years, even if a little stiffness existed between them. Mm. So that's and,
0: how it was. And imagine if they had more time to build on that. You know, there's some actually a lot of similarities between Yoko and Linda with their, you know, with with, with John and Paul. I mean, we you, you talked a little bit about that. You know, joining the band. Um, you know, with not a lot of musical experience,
1: right? only no, no. that they both went to Sarah Lawrence College. They both had young daughters. They married John and Paul within a week of each other. Right, right. And, and it wasn't their first
0: marriage either.
1: Right. And um, Linda encouraged Paul to start Wings when he was so depressed after the Beatles. And Yoko encouraged the Plastic Ono band, and both of them sang with the bands. And, right.
0: Yeah, I had a lot of time. A lot of time. Um, there's a lot you know, it wasn't all wine and, wine and roses, uh, as they say. Um, you know, Yoko and Paul have been kind of vocal about each other, uh, you know, throughout the years. I, I know, I remember, I think it was during the Wings Over America uh, album, Paul switched uh, the credits to McCartney Lennon. And, um, I know Yoko may have had a little issue with that because then he did it again. And I think in the future, um, I forgot which album he did it again on another live album. I think it was, uh, Paul, Paul is live if I'm not mistaken, but is that time up? No, was kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I'm
1: going to quit this thing. Okay. It's quit. So oh,
0: no, That's okay. Um, a couple years, uh, well, I should say 1980 is, was, uh, um, Interesting, because we'll we'll talk a little myth here, um, a little myth busting, where, you know, Paul Paul sees or Paul calls John, right, and tells him he has some dynamite weed. Uh, This is, I think, the day before they they fly off to to Japan. Okay, Uh, he gets there, they get busted, or he gets busted, I should say. Um, And then some kind of somehow a little, you know, little lie gets out and people or or rumors gets out and people are thinking that Yoko may have had something to do with his bust. But in reality, she actually, you know, in a way kind of helped uh, in a way to to get him out. Right.
1: Well, I'm I'm just going to say that I would suspect, first of all, how can anyone know what gate somebody's coming through? At a Japanese airport and say, bust this guy with the pot in his bag and don't let him go. (laughs) I mean, even if John and Yoko wanted to do that, I don't see how it's possible. And if anything, you know, Yoko's relatives were all in high places in Japan. She came from one of the three wealthiest families in in Japan. So Mm -hmm. if anything, they helped Paul get out. I mean, nobody I mean, who knows for sure?
0: Right. Yeah. I know that. I mean, who? no one knows a hundred percent sure. And, and, and I'm sure it's not like Yoko to, to just, you know, go into the public and say, Oh, I helped you, Paul get out of jail. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's definitely not in her nature, but it, it's, it's still, I mean, it's, it's still a thing though. You know, people still, you know, want to believe that Yoko, you know, is, you know, is evil and you know, she did this. It's to insane. Her.
1: It's the camping more far, far from the truth.
0: Right. Right. Um, Unfortunately, you know, John, John is murdered, uh, the relationship of now they're, now they're business partners in a way. Right. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, so not only now do they have, you know, to compete with each other. I mean, they're in business with each other now and I think they're trying to maybe compete with, um, with the the media in a way of saying, okay, who was more important to John? Was it Yoko? Was it Paul? Uh, there was this this thing where where John became a saint, you know, after after his passing, and then you know, a couple of years later than Paul, you know, you see him trying to be on, you know, on the defensive here. Okay. I mean, it's just, was not all John? Okay. You know, I helped a lot, a lot of songs, you know, there was George and Ringo that helped. Of those. But, but Yoko in a way really didn't step up And in, in, in the way, I think she, she kind of welcomed it a little bit. I mean, this is just my opinion. Um, but I there were, you know, I didn't see a lot of writing where like people were like, you know okay this isn't true you know stop it you know but i you know but what do you think about this because you know lennon was considered you know the man he was he was the beatles after he passed according to a lot of people
1: look she she was protecting his legacy she was giving the fans the music every single year she put out something right gave them all yeah, the lost right. lennon tapes she made yes. sure it was all you know she gave them free as a bird and and real love and even now, you know, working on the Imagine fiftieth and the, all that stuff. Um, of course, you know, Paul. If it was Paul's white widow, she perhaps. would have been doing the same thing. Yeah, perhaps,
0: perhaps, absolutely. Um, there was a, a, an opportunity for them to be even more business, <laughs> more into business with each other, with with the buying of Northern Song. Um, you know, that was going up for sale. Um, I know Paul felt like he didn't need to buy uh, he, he, or buy his songs back or he felt he shouldn't have to buy his songs back. Mm-hmm. I mean I think Yoko and Paul were wealthy enough at the time to at least go in 50-50 uh, for this and then you know Paul gives that uh, the advice business advice to Michael Jackson and then all of a sudden he swoops in and <laughs> and he had the sense to to have his lawyers get all of this stuff ready you know while, while Paul and and yoko were, you know i don't know if they were having a war of words in the in the in the in the media or anything like that but um, they could have you know met or just discussed and say hey do you want to join in in, in this in this venture and and you know and, and acquire the rights to our songs you know
1: interesting oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: It's, 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 it's interesting stuff. Again, you know, we're not there, right? All we can go by is what, you know, by what we read, uh, quotes that we see uh, in, in, you know, papers and articles and stuff like that. Um, but that, I mean, that would have definitely, by acquiring, you know, the rights, I mean, that would have just put them into the, you know, enchilada of, you know, Paul was already one of the wealthiest musicians in the world. I mean, and that would have even put, you know, Yoko, you know, right up there a- as well. Um, I mean, what do you make of the relationship between uh, Paul and, and, and uh, Yoko throughout the 80s?
1: Well, I have a, a quote from her, and she she says that me and Paul were kind of stuck with the situation for like 30 or 40 years, so we understood each other, and he mm-hmm. must have suffered a lot, just like I suffered the same way, so I understand him, I'm sympathetic, to him for having all sorts of pain. Most people think that Paul and me should not have any pain at all because we're so privileged, but it's not true. The degree of pain is always there. Mm. So, you know, she understood where he was coming from, but right. of course she, she kind of had to deal with him. And look, at this point, they have an understanding. Right. And there's this quote from Paul where he says, I love Yoko, she's so Yoko, <laughs> that's it, she's
2: Yoko. Right?
0: Right. There's there's also um, a video that you can we'll, we'll play
2: during the show here too. You know, the problem in other people's eyes, I think, is that she's honest. The honesty is what hurts a lot of people. I think we didn't know her too well really uh, until quite recently, until maybe um, a few years, ago. 80s, you know, beginning of the 80s, when I just thought, well, maybe I've misunderstood. You know, maybe it's my mistake. Um, not hers so I telephoned her and started talking to her about just things generally she said why are you telephoning and uh, I said well you know I think I've misunderstood you and I think I've made a big mistake and uh, as you were John's wife and uh, I was very fond of John I feel that he would have liked me to telephone you and, and kind of say hello and see what's going on and she said, well, don't do me any favours, you know, don't do it out of pity or don't sympathy. I don't want that, you know, I don't want charity. Which at first I thought, hmm, no, no. and <laughs> But I co- had to say, no, no, no. She's right, she's right. I thought she was a hard woman. I don't think she is now. I think she's just the opposite. I think she's a very uh, loving, caring woman. Uh, I think I thought she was uh, pushy. Uh, which I think is wrong. I don't think she is. I think she's just uh, herself. She's determined more than some other people to be herself. Some people will um, just give in. She won't.
0: You know, after John dies, you know, Paul, you know, calls up Yoko, and you know, he's, you know, in his mind, he's thinking, well, John would want this, you know, you know, and he's explaining it to to Yoko, and and Yoko's like, well, you know, don't do this out of pity. You know, and and Paul's like, well, you know, that's how it's going to be, you know. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, but then he, you know, and you know, like you know, you do when you're trying to be level-headed, you think about it, and then in in, in, in the long term, you finally understand where she's coming from, right? Mm-hmm. And then you know, and then it makes sense. Um, you know, I'm sure John, you know, like you re- like you uh, like you uh, said in that quote, you know, Paul was hurting just as much as Yoko. I'm sure. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's going to take time for them to, well, it did take time for them to actually eventually, you know, get on the same page about their feelings,
1: right? And Paul mentioned that, you know, Yoko was the first one who ever told him that, you know, John really did that's right love you and, and right. your work. <laughs> he right. never say it to his face, but you know. yeah, yep.
0: Um, let's talk about the, um, Paul inducting, uh, or John into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame that night. Uh, it looked like they were, they were all into all in great spirits. Um, I don't know if I would say that was the best speech from Paul, um, inducting. I know what you. I mean, you had to have seen it. Um,
1: yeah, which one was it?
0: This is I mean, he's pretty much just, you know, going through their history and he's just he's like in a way kind of talking to John rather than. Oh, yeah, you were this and you were right. Yeah, Yeah. so I don't know. I I'm kind of curious what everybody watching thinks. Let's know in the comment section what you think of of uh, Paul's speech uh, inducting John into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. But. I don't think it's the best thing he's ever done (laughs) myself, but Mm -hmm. I mean, again, again, obviously, you know, very heartfelt. Uh, He did it with the understanding that he would get inducted the the following year uh, from my understanding, which didn't, didn't happen. And, and I believe they should have been inducted the same year. You know, I don't understand why it took another four or five years for Paul to get inducted into the, Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, but you know, that's another, that's another show right yeah. there. <laughs> I mean, we all have our issues with, uh, with, with the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, but that's where, uh, Yoko gives, uh, Paul the, 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 the demos for the, for the other three, or the 3 if you want to call them that, mm-hmm. to
2: begin the, uh, the anthology. Here tonight, it's a privilege to come along and to do this, um, John, no matter what people thought of him from minute to minute, was a very, very beautiful person. And it's an honor to uh, be able to do this with uh, Yoko and Sean. It's, it's just a lot of fun, and uh, it's a privilege because oh, he was John. some serious dude. Beautiful oh, oh, you know Boy was, was uh, your favorite John Lennon song, and I thought that was a real nice choice. Beautiful, beautiful Boy, yeah. What was it about that song? Well, you know, i got kids, and um, I know that emotion. And I think John captured it perfectly in that song. That's what it is. What emotions do you have when you here, beautiful boy? Hmm. <laughs> well, that's
1: the answer? Well, it's obviously
2: something really personal, you know. It's really
1: beautiful.
0: Can Paul and Yoko please talk about the emotional feeling of being here tonight and being together?
2: May I say this? That I really think it's grand that he's come here, and I'm very happy about that. And I think that gentleman had been very pleased. And
1: Paul, what do you feel
2: emotionally to be here? Yeah, I feel great. I mean, you know, we just came right in um, uh, from England, so I'm a bit jet-lagged, but it was a um, beautiful evening, uh, just generally with all the other inductees and stuff, but obviously this was the highlight for me. Um, seeing Yoko after quite a while, um, getting back together again, and getting back together and seeing Sean, who is uh, the son of my mate and uh, you know it's just good to be back together again.
1: Right. And she said something interesting. she said, you know, everybody blamed me for breaking them up, but here's my chance like fate brought it to me to bring them together in yeah, a way together.
0: So. right because you know we'll we'll get to uh, this in a minute, but later on uh, you know Paul set the record straight, you know which was which was which was great. Um. Then we go to 1995. Uh, they're still, I think they're like halfway uh, into working on the, uh, the songs, uh, Real Love and uh, Free as a Bird. Uh, Paul uh, invites the Lennons over to, uh, to his studio and they record uh, Hiroshima Sky is Always Blue. Talk about that, that song.
2: John, we're here now together. Bless you, peace on Earth, and strawberry fields forever.
1: Shima oh o
2: oh
1: oh oh oh, oh. oh.
2: Yeah. 그럼 Wow wow
1: Yeah, that was to commemorate the 50th anniversary of the atomic bombings in Japan. And Mm. uh, Paul and Linda and their children collaborated with Yoko and Sean. And it was just this long improvisational track. And I think it was broadcast on Japanese TV on the anniversary. Mm -hmm. And it was recorded in January. And they spent a weekend at Paul's farm. And, you know, Paul showed them around the studio and they decided to do it. Uh, Yes.
0: Nice, really nice. Yeah, uh, this is you know Yoko on vocals, Paul backing vocals, uh, stand up bass, Linda uh, Celeste, uh, is that how you pronounce it? Yeah, uh, yeah. And then you got Sean and James on guitars, Heather, Mary, Stella backing vocals and percussion. Um, the track was uh, mixed on spot and handed over to Yoko. Now um, you can only really get it on physical media on one in one place, right? And that's I think. Uh, on CD for, for one of her books or
1: something like that? Yeah, I forget which book. I think it's... Oh, I forget now. It's one of the okay. gallery books. I think. Right.
0: Okay. And then that's the only way you can get it. I mean, we, I mean, obviously, you can listen to it on YouTube uh, if you want, but uh, if you actually wanted a physical media, <laughs> you had to go to uh, get, get order that book, yeah. um, which is interesting. Um, then fast forward into the 2000s, Paul you know, is, is come finally coming out and say, you know, Paul or Yoko did not break up the band. They were already breaking up. If you do the research, you know, you'll find as we are, have been finding over the last couple decades that, you know, they were already breaking up anyways. And, you know, maybe, maybe the, you know, you know, Yoko and Linda could be just like a small part of the frustration of, you know, of the band, but it was nowhere near the breaking point. You know what well, I mean? Well, I weren't Patty sense.
1: and uh, Maureen. I mean. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, they weren't coming
0: to the studio. I mean, obviously you'd see Maureen there, uh, you know, during the get back sessions a couple times, but it's not like, you know, they were all, you know, now everybody's invited into the session. Yeah. Sessions, no, you was know, just gone. it's John for
1: yeah. her there and he was doing that on purpose.
0: Right. Right.
1: So, and then, um,
0: and then Yoko uh, will will play this clip too. Uh, then comes out and, and and thanks Paul for for saying that. I mean, because it's true. She did not, you know, break up the Beatles. And Paul McCartney came out and cleared the air a little bit. And said, look, you know, for those people that who That are...
2: was very sweet of him to yeah. do that. I'm sure that, you know, she got tons of letters saying, how dare you said that? I mean, you know, because they like the idea of us being in a boxing ring, you know, sort okay. of fighting.
0: Also, it's good to have... <laughs> people like having someone to demonise. People like having someone yeah, yeah. to blame. You know, and you were you were the easy target, I guess.
2: Well, you know, we know each other for such a long time. And and she's a very sensitive and intelligent guy. So, of course, you know, she understands what was going on. Yeah. That it wasn't going...
0: And like I said, the other night, it's, it's just, you know, it comes from, you know, the teenagers that grew up with, with the band. Right. And then also, you know, the media at that time, you know, feeding us this lie. And then what happens then those people that read this, then they'll tell the younger generation. Right. And then that generation tells the next generation. And because, I mean, in the 80s, when I started first started listening to the Beatles, I mean, that's how Yoko Ono was. That's how I learned about Yoko Ono besides Hell in, Hell in Paradise, the video. I learned about Yoko Ono broke up the band, you know. So it's just like, okay, then, you know, I don't want anything to do with this woman because she broke up my favorite band.
1: <laughs> it's a shame because there's so much to her that people could benefit from knowing and, and this just got thrown upon her
0: right and it's a shame it's it's done and and thankfully for you and and you know doing shows like like this we can hopefully you know i, I think the narrative is 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 really starting to you know stop you know with with that nonsense but i mean you, you still see memes and gifs uh, mm-hmm. you know with i mean i saw one uh, the other day, with uh, it was Yoko and and Captain Kirk, and Yoko had, was screaming, and then Captain Kirk was like, "Please beam me up, Scotty," you know. Just...
1: Well, I realized, you know, it used to really hurt me too. I'd get mm-hmm. very upset when I'd hear crazy stuff like that. And then one day, um, I was talking to her, and she's she was reading a review of uh, it was Blueprint for a Sunrise album was out, and they reviewed it, and they said, oh, it's a song, It's Time for Action, and it should be called It's Time for Aspirin, and she was <laughs> laughing. So I'm like, okay, if she's laughing, then I can laugh now.
0: Well, I mean, I can see her having a se- kind of a sense of humor
1: oh, in a way uh, about a lot of this,
0: because, I mean, obviously, she knows the truth, you know? So, mm-hmm. you know, why not have a little laugh about it, I guess? But still, yeah. you know, obviously she's one of the most positive people you'll ever see, uh, or meet. And she I has mean-
1: integrity. And she was yeah. so much mod- like every, every time people would interview her, she's very eloquent. She has so much to say, mm-hmm. but it would always, you know, it wouldn't be about her work, but she would graciously talk about whatever they wanted, which was usually the same subject. And, um, you know, but she had integrity. And in fact, here's a, a cool quote. Hmm. She once said that um, it was always John's intention to make the world aware of my work, but it was hard for him to do that because the world was never accepting. And he had a woman who was very proud as an artist. He would suggest things like, let's get someone to cover your songs. I would say, no, I don't want anyone to cover my songs. And he'd say, well, what about me? And I would say, no, because other people think they're your songs. Yeah, he there would you suggest go. suggest that I dress up and have a photo session with all the right lighting and make a cheesecake photo. But I'm a feminist. I would say no, why should I do that? To deliver me to the world, he had to tiptoe around my pride and cope with the world's attitudes. It was very difficult. And now I think part of me is feeling guilty that I was so difficult.
0: Wow. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That, and that, you know, and that's another thing too. I mean, just the way her mind works. is um, yes. it's really amazing. And you really have to think, like we we're, you know, when we we're talking about her art or her lyrics, um, they're really thought provoking, right? I mean, you know, not everything is for everybody. I get that people might not like every little aspect of her, of her career. However, you gotta admit, you know, it's really, it's really thoughtful. It's really thought provoking. It makes you think, um, you know, it's just not, you know,
1: something valuable. That's the thing. Like she, she points things out, like we're completely misplacing our values. You know, we have value money over water and gold over, you know, air. And it's just the craziest thing. And and she puts it all in perspective. And you realize, my God, well, how have I been thinking? How have I been living? And just being entertained constantly, how unhealthy that is for us. The judging, the competitions. the She says, like, one day that's all going to end because society's got to evolve so that we're not doing that anymore. And we're making use of our lives. Mm-hmm. Interesting.
0: Yeah. So, again, the uh, the book – well, I should say that's just – I mean, that's just – we just scratched the surface, really. I just wanted to have, like, a nice, friendly, peaceful, you know, conversation about the relationship between Paul and, and, and Yoko. I know people will, will, you know, drag, you know, things in the mud. Um, you know, why didn't you talk about this? Why didn't you talk about that? Well, you know what? It's, it's, it's not about – you know, all the, the skeletons or, or the dirty laundry. I mean, it, it's just more of how, you know, they started off friendly. It may have gotten a little rough uh, in the middle, but then at the end, it's, you know, it's all fine and dandy. You know, they, mm-hmm. they've got a complete understanding. They're friends with each other. They respect each other. Uh, right. And they're bonded by one of the greatest musicians of all time. <laughs> right you know so uh but again the book in your mind the infinite universe of yoko ono uh remind people again where you can uh, get the book yes amazon but what was the email again for it's
1: conceptualbooks.com and the book's website is inyourmindbook.com you can read all the reviews and in, in, in order through there too
0: right um and we'll leave the link in the description area uh please You know, if you've ever been curious about Yoko Ono, please check out this book. I don't think you will regret it. Um, Some of the reviews, I mean, we talked about the reviews before. Uh, Let's just take another, you know, second to talk about. It's it's fascinating how well, and it's very deserved success. I'm so proud of how well this is doing. I mean, you would think, you you know, in the 70s, 80s, maybe into the 90s, something like this wouldn't, you know, be appreciated. I'm so happy like this is really getting the attention it deserves and the appreciation it deserves as well.
1: Yeah, thank you. It's from her colleagues are loving it, guys that worked on her films with her, you know, from back in the day. uh, her assistant and friend Dan Richter. Elliot Mince is loving it. He called it a masterpiece. You know, so it's it's got it's getting to the right people and it's getting appreciated.
0: Excellent very 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 good. Madeline, um, can how can anybody get a hold of you I mean, besides the website? I mean, are, are you Facebook? Do you uh, do, you do uh, Twitter yeah, as
1: well? On Facebook under my name Madeline Bocaro and um, conceptualbooks at icloud.com if you want to email me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Excellent. And I have a website madelinex.com.
0: Ah, okay. Excellent. Um, again, please check out the book. Madeline, it's been a great been great speaking to you. We appreciate it. Thank you very much, and Andy, get better. I know by the time this is posted, you'll be yeah. fine. You'll be fine, but but uh, for Two Legs, you can find us on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at Two Legs Podcast. Please check out the if you're listening to the audio uh, formats. Please check us out on our YouTube channel, Two Legs, a Paul McCartney podcast. Uh, we're we're really shooting for for 2,000 subscribers uh, by uh, by you know the end of the year. Uh, if we get there, that would be great. So please check us out there. Um, email us at two legs podcast at gmail.com if you got any ideas for for show topics that you would like us to tackle uh, please feel free to uh, email us there and as always everybody thank you for joining us and have a great day and a beautiful night
1: take care Bye bye to two legs a paul mccartney podcast hosted by tom
0: Hunyadi and andy nichols with musical contributions by dylan